Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Indians 4, the Minnesota Twins 1. I'm Davey Paris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it turned into a pretty fun game yesterday. Something that's been a pretty heated rivalry over the last few years, and the Twins obviously have fallen off a little bit. I mean, do you even recognize some of the names in this lineup for the Minnesota Twins? Uh, You know, where is uh, Byron Buxton? Where is Miguel Sano? You know, this this is kind of a different team right now. And uh, Buxton got hurt again. The worst luck probably in baseball when it comes to injuries. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different Minnesota Twins team. They still have the pitchers uh, that you recognize, right? Barrios, um, Taylor Rogers, who we had to face in this game, who will be a pivotal, pivotal player in this game. Uh, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like the same Minnesota Twins, right? I mean, these this is the team that just bombs home runs like crazy, right? They've only got one guy over a, over an 800 OPS. Only one guy on their team has an over 800 OPS. The Indians are at least carrying three. Now, their average OPS is a lot higher than the Indians. Uh, like everybody one through seven on their team are all over 700 OPS. Cannot say that about the Indians. But um, we do have more guys over 800 OPS at least. So yeah, so a Minnesota Twins team that's known for slugging, let's just say, known for their extra base hits, uh, it's not really the same team right now. And there is a definite reason why they are in last place in the American League Central. They're behind Detroit right now. So yeah, so uh, speaking of the American League Central, the White Sox were off. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. The Indians were able to gain a half game on the White Sox last night. So the Indians sit two games back. Uh, three back in the win column, one back in the loss column because the White Sox have just played more games than us t- to this point. Uh, a couple of rainouts or whatever, or just off days haven't lined up. The Indians maintain their positive run differential barely, hanging on by a thread. Uh, so yeah, so I, I was listening to, again, I, I don't know why I torture myself with local sports talk, but you know they were talking baseball and I thought for a second, Maybe it might be an interesting conversation, but nope, it was your standard, well, the White Sox are definitely running away with this division, right? We, They've already anointed the White Sox, the American League Central champs. They're two games up on the Indians. Two games before the All-Star break, before the trade deadline, before the starting pitchers come back off of the IL. Two games. That's it. Your Indians aren't out of it. Not even close to out of it. Yes, we do not have the most dominant offense in the world. But if we pitch better than the White Sox down the stretch, two games is nothing. They were acting on the radio like they were 12 games up. Like it was the, you know, the 95 Indians that were just that, you know, hit their magic number by the middle of August, right? One of those 90s Indians teams. That's how they were treating the White Sox right now. Sorry, the White Sox are not pulling away from the Indians like that. The White Sox lost to the Pirates too, you know? Just like we lost to the Pirates. I, I don't know if they lost the series to the Pirates, but the White Sox lost to the Pirates too. So yeah, so uh, 
anyone who tells you that uh, all we're fighting for is a wild card, uh, they're not paying attention to baseball. They split with the Pirates. It was a two-game series, so they lost the first one the second. That was after getting swept in four games by Houston, who Houston is just crushing the ball right now. Um, so, yeah, so they were on a five-game losing streak until they finally won that second game at Pittsburgh. They've got Seattle and then Minnesota at home, and then Detroit, and then Minnesota again, and then Baltimore leading into the All-Star game. So they have a really, really easy schedule going into the All-Star game. They get Minnesota seven times leading into the All-Star game. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to keep up with them when they have that easy of a schedule going into the All-Star game. Uh, meanwhile, we've got to face Houston. We've got to face Tampa Bay. we got Kansas City coming home, and Kansas City plays tough, even though they have fallen off a little bit in the standings. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit tougher road for us heading into the All-Star game when it comes to just strength of schedule. But two games back. We're about to hit July, and we're two games back. So anyone who tells you that all we're playing for is the wild card doesn't get baseball. All right. With that being said, still a lot of work to do here. And the Indians put in the work yesterday. Let's get into the storylines of the game. And I'm going to save Eddie Rosario. I know that's the big storyline from the game, but the first storyline in the game, we're going to go in a little bit of chronological order here was JC Mejia. JC Mejia gets into trouble in the first inning, but he's able to get out of it. He's able to limit the damage and then he is really, really able to settle in. So things could have easily gone away from him, just like they did in that Pirates game, right? In that Pirates game, he uh, he gives up five runs in that first inning. I believe that was his last start a week ago in Pittsburgh. He gives up five runs in that first inning. This time around, he only gets tagged for one run. But it is a little bit dicey. Uh, Luis Arise singles up the middle to lead off the game. He's able to get Josh Donaldson to strike out, but then he walks Trevor Larnick. Um, Nelson Cruz would pop out to Ahmed Rosario after uh, almost getting plunked by J.C. Mejia. I believe he put him on a seat, which is n- probably not what he was intending to do. You're probably not trying to anger one of the greatest power hitters in the American League. And I I know Nelson Cruz has been busted for banned substances multiple times, but he's still one of the best hitters in the American League. So probably not trying to anger him. It actually had the reverse effect. He swung at like the first pitch every at-bat after that and uh, had an 0 for 4 day, had a really rough day. Um, Then a balk, a balk would move the runners up to third and second, and then a wild pitch would actually let those runners come home. So a wild pitch gives it up. I believe that wild pitch was on the curveball. If I head over to the illustrator here, and I've already kind of set the illustrator for for some different things here. But yeah, we got a curveball way in the dirt there. He didn't throw many curveballs on the day. And it gets all the way to the backstop. Let's one run come in. The throw back to Mejia actually bounces off the, the runner's helmet, Arise's helmet, and goes down the first baseline, there was a chance that Larnich could have scored. He just didn't. He didn't make an attempt for it. Um, 
didn't want to risk making the final out like that, maybe. So uh, instead, he um, holds at third, and it would prove to be good for the Indians because Kepler would strike out swinging to end that at bat So and to end that threat. So he's able to get out of it. After that, he really kind of settles down. Now, the one thing is that the leadoff man for Minnesota was on base so many times in this game. In the first inning, single to lead off the game, lead off the lead off the game for them. Uh, second inning, a walk leads off the inning. Third inning, a single leads off the inning. Finally, in the fourth inning, they get the leadoff man. Fifth inning, they get the leadoff man. Sixth inning, leadoff man singles. Seventh inning, leadoff man singles. Eighth inning, fly out, and ninth is a ground out. So yeah, so what was that? Five times out of nine innings, they had the leadoff man on, and it didn't turn into anything. That's the beauty of this. It didn't turn into anything because he was doing a great job of mixing the ground outs with the strikeouts. It was actually the strikeouts that save him early. He strikes out Kepler to get out of the first. He strikes out Simmons and Arise back to back to get out of the second with two men on. Uh, He gets the ground into a double play from Nelson Cruz to end the third. A bunch of ground outs in the fourth. Ground out, strikeout, ground out in the fourth. And all ground outs in the fifth. I believe the the Twins hit into 11 ground outs, including the double play and a force out. So they created 11 outs by grounding the ball uh, in this game. And that is credit to to J.C. Mejia. And we talked about the sinker the last time. This is one of those few times where I actually remembered, hey, we're going to follow up on this. Okay, let's follow up on this. Because the last time against the Pirates... That sinker was pretty rough. If you remember, he had 17 swings on his sinker against the Pirates, zero whiffs, only six called strikes, eight fouls, nine were put in play. If you remember against that sinker, if we go over to the illustrator against the Pirates, he was only able to get five outs out of that sinker. He gave up two home runs off that sinker, a single and a double. So they were slugging the heck out of that sinker. Well, let's take a look against the Twins in this start, and it's a little bit more effective, that pitch. Let's go specifically to the sinker, and he gives up three singles on it, but gets three strikeouts on the sinker, gets one, two, three, four ground outs on the sinker, and two flyouts on the sinker. So, much more effective. Did give up a walk on a sinker, on a, th- on a 3-0 count to Larnich. Um, So yeah, much more effective with that sinker. He's able to turn that sinker into uh, six, seven, eight, nine outs and only gives up three singles. Now, those singles were right down the middle. If you want to know the difference between the outs and the singles, the singles, all three of them are, I'm telling you, right down the middle of the plate at the belt. The outs uh, are all mostly at the bottom of the zone. Mostly at the bottom of the strike zone, at the thighs, at the knees. The one flyout is up around the belly, and the one strikeout is up around the belly. So he did go up a little bit with the sinker and get some luck with it. Got Polanco to strike out on it and got uh, Larnich to fly out on it. But getting that sinker down, keeping it out of the center of the plate, because I can tell you those home runs against the Pirates were in the center of the plate, right down the middle where these singles are. So, yeah, so uh, that is something. You've got to keep that sinker down. You have to. If you elevate it, it gets elevated. Um, 
these were line drives too. What was the exit velocity? 107.6 on Donaldson's single, single, 101.7 on a rises single, and 111 on Ben Rotvet. I did not catch how they said the name. Did anyone catch how they said his name? Ben Rotvet. Um, I'm gonna I'll pay attention to that. I promise on the broadcast tonight and try to figure out how to say his name. Uh, so yeah, so the sinker was much more effective. Now, it doesn't go for a great CSW on the day. Um, 22 swings on his sinker. So they were being aggressive on his sinker again. He threw it 44 times. So he is not shying away from that pitch. He knows the sinker is what is going to make it work in Major League Baseball for him. 22 swings on that sinker. So they're being aggressive. Only four whiffs. But like we said, he had three strikeouts on that pitch. So three out of those four whiffs go for a strikeout. Eight called strikes on that sinker. Good for a 27% CSW. So nothing incredible. He did get nine foul balls, nine hit and play. So six outs and the three singles. Um, the next pitch he went to the most was the slider. Uh, had a little bit better CSW on that. Had a 36% CSW on that. Threw the changeup a couple times. Actually got some ground balls on the changeup. They didn't swing and miss on the changeup. Seven swings, no whiffs. Um, so it wasn't a great CSW. But they were all ground balls. Anything they hit in play was a ground ball on that changeup. So the changeup was actually an effective combo with the sinker to get more ground outs for JC Mejia. Through the fastball, the four-seamer nine times, and the curveball only four times. So, yeah, the uh, that was the pitch mix. It's not an impressive CSW. It's only a 25% CSW, but Mejia is not going to be that type of pitcher. He is clearly, right now at the early stages of his career, a ground ball pitcher. He is, uh, in fact, let's pull up the Fangraphs box score on this one. So as a team, the uh, the Minnesota Twins were at 54.2% ground balls yesterday. I love going over to Fangraphs sometimes because they have a lot of these metrics broken out for the game itself. So yeah, so 54. Coincidentally, the Indians were also at 54.2% ground outs on the day. JC Mejia had his ground ball rate up at 53.3% ground ball percentage. So yeah, ground balls were definitely what he was doing yesterday. Getting some soft contact. No other Indians pitcher yesterday, none of the bullpen guys induced any soft contact. He was at 26.7% soft contact. So, yeah, it was really working for J.C. Mejia, and that's going to be the kind of pitcher he is. I mean, Jake Westbrook was an expert at inducing weak contact, at getting ground balls. I will never, as far as my, you know, baseball players that I got to watch, I'll never forget Jake Westbrook getting ground balls, being that ground ball pitcher. I know Westbrook wasn't a, you know, a perennial all-star. He's not a Hall of Famer by any means, but... There was a time there in the early 2000s when Westbrook was kind of our ace. Uh, You know, in those days after CeCe Sabathia and Cliff Lee left. And I I honestly got to appreciate Jake Westbrook uh, a lot from uh, my teenage years, maybe. And uh, an expert at getting ground balls and working fast and being aggressive. And I mean, if, if the Indians want Mejia to learn the art of being a ground ball pitcher... Get Jake Westbrook on the phone and get him to talk to Mejia, right? Uh, let's get him to visit spring training one of these years and work with Mejia 
Uh, he could be a really dominant ground ball pitcher. So what were the other storylines from this game? Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario returning to Minnesota. And he had himself a day. He had himself quite a day. Because he had one of the biggest bonehead plays in the entire game. And he also had one of the best plays in the entire game. So let's take a look at it here. What inning was that that he pulls his bonehead play? It had to have been the sixth inning. Yep, there it is. So top of the six, Jose Ramirez singles on a line drive to center field. Um, Eddie Rosario grounded into a force out, but he's able to beat the throw at first. Um, Polanco kind of had a range way to his right and was slow in getting the ball to Simmons at short. Not slow. Shouldn't even say slow. It was actually a pretty good play to get the ball to Simmons at short, but it's just... When you're running, sprinting that hard and picking up a ground ball on the dead sprint, you need to get your body into a different position to throw. So not taking anything away from the play Polanco made, but it was a slow exchange to short. Simmons put some smoke on the throw to first, but Eddie Rosario was able to beat it out after review. So he makes it safe at first. Um, After that, they try a, uh, a hit and run, basically, with Bobby Bradley. They start the runner. So it's a full count on Bobby Bradley in the sixth inning with Eddie Rosario on. Remember, one out. Bobby Bradley actually looks at strike three. It was a slider or something like that that down and in on him that he looks at for strike three. And Eddie Rosario is able to steal second on the pitch. You know, they were being aggressive, which they do it twice in this game. And honestly, God, I'm still not understanding the strategy because Bobby Bradley's a strikeout candidate every time he's up there. So starting the runner with a guy who's known for swinging and missing, uh, I, I don't really know if that's the right baseball play, but uh, Francona actually does it twice in the game yesterday. So he gets, well, lucky at first here because Eddie Rosario is safe. The ball actually trickles into the outfield grass. Now, whoever is covering Simmons, I think, has to go out into the outfield grass to get the ball. Eddie Rosario turns off the bag because he thinks the ball is going to scoot out to center field, thinks it might get away, and he slowly saunters back to first base, or back to second base, and they throw the ball to Polanco, and Polanco runs over and tags him on the thigh before he can step back on second base. And it was absolutely, it was one of those moments where it's like, what are you doing, man? Get Get back to the base. Just go stand on the base and you can... He was staring back at the dugout. I, I don't... Who knows why? And uh, Polanco tags him on the thigh and he's out. So there it is. A bonehead base running play from Eddie Rosario ends the sixth inning. Okay, so now you've got compounded interest here, right? You've got the fact that he's returning to Minnesota. You've got the fact that he just made this boneheaded play that possibly took a chance away from the Indians to score here in the sixth inning, all right? Took the bat out of Harold Ramirez's hand. So then the eighth inning comes around, and the Indians put together a little rally. And of course, of course, because baseball is poetic, of course the rally lands on Eddie Rosario's shoulders. So Austin Hedges singles to start the inning. This is, by the way, off of... uh, 
Alcala, who could throw like high 90s, hit 100. Uh, yeah, he hit 100.4 miles per hour uh, in this game. Austin Hedges flares one in the center field for a single 78.8 mile per hour exit velocity, getting the job done. And uh, then Cesar Hernandez would single through the left side, puts two runners on. Ahmed Rosario would ground into a force out. He would beat the uh, the throw back to first base, and that would prove critical. That would be a game changer here. They would walk Jose Ramirez to load the bases. They wanted no part of Jose Ramirez yesterday. They were determined not to let Jose Ramirez beat them. But that meant they just loaded the bases with one out for their former player, Eddie Rosario. Former player Eddie Rosario, who was looking for a little bit of redemption in his teammates' eyes, and he delivers. They bring in the lefty Taylor Rogers, probably part of the reason why they walked um, Jose Ramirez, because they knew they could set up a lefty-lefty matchup as opposed to the switch hitter Ramirez. Um, so they set it up. The first pitch, he shoots it back up the middle, 97.3 mile per hour exit velocity, right back up the pipe. Uh, and it brings in two runs a score and gives the Indians the 3-1 lead they were looking for. Uh, Bobby Bradley would actually ground out in his next at-bat, and here's the incredible thing. They started the runner again. Eddie Rosario was going on the pitch. I don't know if it was a call to hit and run, if Eddie Rosario was going on his own, if Bobby Bradley was just, you know, didn't see that Eddie Rosario was stealing and was just looking for a pitch to hit, but he grounds out to second base in what probably would have been an inning-ending double play. But because Eddie Rosario is running on the pitch, it allows Ahmed Rosario to come in from third and score. So it gives the Indians another insurance run there, gives Bobby Bradley an RBI ground out instead of a double play to end an inning. So a big job by Eddie Rosario there in the eighth inning and totally redeems himself from everything that happened earlier in the game. So that's the big offensive story. That's the big offensive highlight. Um, I mean, that's really the storyline of the game. Uh, Other offensive highlights for the Indians. Uh, Jose Ramirez was on base three times. He had that single and then two walks. It was all singles for the Indians. The only extra base hit came in the bottom of the ninth inning when uh, one of the Twins players, let's see who it was, Polanco doubled into the right field corner. But there were already two outs at that point. He had already gotten two ground outs, and he gets Kirilov to ground out to end the game. So that double didn't really do any damage. It was the only extra base hit of the day. Karinchek gave that up in the ninth, but he's able to get out of it in 10 pitches. No strikeouts for Karinchek. All ground outs for Karinchek uh, in that ninth inning. Yeah, so Jose Ramirez was on base three times. Um, the offense wasn't too sharp yesterday. Bobby Bradley did everything but get a hit. Uh, Bobby Bradley had a run, an RBI, a walk, a strikeout. And he filled up the box score except for the hit column. Uh, He is scuffling. He is scuffling. The batting average, the OPS, they're coming back down to earth. Um, He's not getting... Right, he got that one... Did he get a home run in his last at-bat? Not in his last at-bat. He had a home run in the uh, first game of the Cubs series. So, uh, yeah, it's he's had one hit over his last, ooh, since the Pirates series started. So, over his last one, two, three, four, five, six games, he's only had one hit. So, yeah, he's scuffling. He's scuffling a little bit. But, 
Uh, the power's still there. He'll find it. Keep letting him swing. Keep letting him win there. They're facing a lefty today, so it'll be interesting to see if Bradley's in the lineup or what they do to get all their righties in the lineup. You know he's going to shove as many righties in the lineup as he can. Hopefully, Bobby Bradley is still in there because he can hit lefties. Uh, Harold Ramirez did have two hits, and Austin Hedges had two hits on the day. Austin Hedges had two flare singles to center field, uh, putting in the work. He had an RBI in that first. He actually drove in that Indians' first run, who was Bobby Bradley, who walked. And with two outs, Austin Hedges flared one into center field to bring him in. So big day for Austin Hedges. Uh, Two hits in his return from concussion protocols. Two hits, a run, and an RBI. That is huge from the ninth spot. Uh, The Twins got 0 for 3 from Anderson Simmons in the ninth spot in their lineup. So huge from Austin Hedges there. Uh, And then the bullpen was solid. Blake Parker got some meaningful innings. Uh, You know, the, the old veteran that was called up uh, called up a few weeks ago. He hasn't been here, I don't think, that long. Uh, he was a guy that we got in the offseason that like signed with us from Philly, 36 years old. He does not stop moving when he's on the pitcher's mound, a very crazy windup. And uh, he pitches a solid, uh, a solid seventh inning after giving up a leadoff hit, gets a strikeout, gets out of it in 14 pitches. The bullpen was efficient. Parker gets out of it in 14 innings. Shaw has a clean inning with a strikeout on 14 pitches. And Karinchek gives up that double, but gets out of it in 10 pitches. So really efficient work from the bullpen. So yeah, there it is. That is your storylines. That is your game. A good job against the Minnesota Twins, against Jose Barrios, who really, Mejia went toe-to-toe with Barrios. They both throw 96 pitches. Uh, six and a third for Barrios, six for Mejia. Four hits each, one earned run each. Two walks each, six strikeouts for Mejia, nine strikeouts for Barrios. Uh, Only five hard-hit balls for Barrios. Only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hard-hit balls against Mejia. But seven hard-hit balls, they can turn into house. I mean, ground outs can be hard-hit too. So uh, it works. Mejia goes toe-to-toe with probably their ace, right? Minnesota's ace, Barrios. So that is pretty impressive to see. And that's why Mejia is getting MVP for the day. I mean, to be honest, he's kind of the ace of our staff right now. I mean, let's say in theory, let's say in theory, the playoffs started after the All-Star game, right? You know, there was a first half playoffs and a second half playoffs. Let's just say hypothetically, the All-Star game was the start of the playoffs. And Zavali and Bieber and Plesak were not ready to return. Who would you go with in a, game, in a game run right now, right? Who would you start in the playoffs? It'd probably be Mejia. It probably would be. I think he was the ace when he was down there in Columbus. He, I think he was their opening starter. And although they did funky things down in Columbus to try to line up with the rookies on Cleveland staff in case they needed to call anyone up, uh, and Quantrill, Quantrill has been pitching good too. So those are probably the first two guys you would turn to right now as one and two in the Indians pitching rotation, um, right? Then you got Henches, Eli Morgan, and bullpen day. It's still unknown. They're going to do it on Sunday. Whatever they're going to do, they're doing it on Sunday. They pushed Eli Morgan back to the Monday home game against Detroit. I'll actually be at that game. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, Sunday is going to be, we'll see, do they call up someone from AAA for a spot start, or do they just go with a bullpen day? It looks like the Twins are going with a bullpen day uh, 
today they called someone up. It looks like uh, Dobnik was scratched. And so they're going with a bullpen game. They called up someone who's been in the bullpen for them for the last few years. Um, and then he was with Oakland for a while. Columbo? Columbe? Uh, Columbe? We'll see what they what they say when he gets here and when the game starts. Uh, he's been a reliever for most of his career. So I don't think this is uh, you know, someone that they're thinking of as a starter. I think this is an opener. I think this is a bullpen day for the Minnesota Twins. And they're going to have to go against Quantrill. Quantrill, who has not picked up a win yet, but has pitched really well his last few times out. He's 0-2 with a 2.74 ERA. So, uh, yeah, Quantrill has a chance to get his first win of the season. Uh, first win as a starter, first win of the season, period. So, uh, yeah, and then the, the twin series rolls on. I mean, this is really a chance for us to uh, pick up some games in that wincon. We have to beat up on the Minnesota Twins, who are the worst team in the division right now. We have to. you got to get those, those wins. So, Mejia was MVP for the day. Good job by Eddie Rosario and Austin Hedges. And uh, that's it. That's all my thoughts. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.